one of the pastors groups I'm a part of online this week posted something like this. I just read our scripture for this Sunday. What in the world? What did I just read? (laughs) Maybe you were thinking that this morning as folks are reading the scripture. Oh, that just feels odd. That feels heavy. What in the world? Where is this going this morning? This cannot be good. Uh, As I said to Carolina at one point this week when I was working on uh, the sermon around her, um, I said, you know, Jesus just kind of seems a little crazy in these verses. And, And maybe as I kept studying, a little aggressive and very judgy. In fact, I thought about skipping these verses that have appeared in our lectionary. You wouldn't know. We're not bound to use scriptures uh, that are given in this loose kind of guide of how to move through the scriptures during our worship. But hang with me, because I've stayed here in these scriptures, in these texts, all week struggling through them, because I believe there's a word here for us today, and I couldn't get away from them. So I I believe that God has a message for us, and, and there's something, there's a message for us in here this morning. We're still moving to Jerusalem with Jesus, still making our way to the cross. The end of Jesus's life is on his mind. He knows that his time is drawing to a close. He does not have much longer, and you can see the intensity and this fact that he knows his words mean everything right now. Our scripture opens with Jesus being approached with the latest story that's going around. The Roman government, though it eventually kill Jesus, has exerted its brutality on a group of individuals worshiping at a temple. There was a group from Galilee that were bringing their offerings, and for whatever reason, Pilate had them killed right there on the altar in the middle of their sacrifice to God. We see the brutality of the Roman Empire and the lack of respect they had for the Jewish religion in this act. But like us sometimes, when we tell terrible news about someone, we add in why we think it happened to them. We don't see that in the text. We see Jesus's response to that. But but sometimes we, when we share news, we, we might would add in, you know, little, little tidbits, our own personal opinion. The marriage failed because she was so busy or he was always traveling for work. They got sick because they didn't take care of themselves. They lost their job because they weren't willing to do what was wanted of them. They had the car accident because they really should have never been driving at night. We come up with a reason, with an excuse to separate ourselves from the suffering because it's easier that way. It's how we're like the Levite and the Pharisee that we talked about last week that walk on the other side of the road from the Samaritan. Those bringing this story to Jesus are hinting that this tragedy must have occurred because of some great sin these people have committed. There had to be a reason, because that would mean if there there wasn't, that they too could be vulnerable. We've been looking for signs and reasons since the beginning of time. A reason why the bad things happen. There are those who struggle with seeing God in a world where something like COVID-19 spreads. Why would that happen? Is God trying to teach us something? Or maybe is there a group of people that God is trying to teach something to? There has to be meaning and purpose to everything. And all that meaning and purpose has to originate with God. 
some think. But but it's in this kind of thinking that, that we can be trapped into pointing the blame on others. Shortly after the destruction of 9-11, Jerry Falwell, a well-known TV evangelist at the time, went on a TV program called The 700 Club that's still around. And in a conversation with the host, Pat Robertson, who's still hosting, um, they said, uh, well, uh, Falwell said um, about 9-11, the abortionists have got to bear some burden for this because God will not be mocked. We make God mad. I really believe that the pagans and the abortionists and the feminists and the gays and the lesbians who are actively trying to make that alternative lifestyle, uh, the ACLU, People for the American Way, all of them who have tried to secularize America, I point point a finger in their face and say, you helped this happen. I questioned whether to read those words because they're so hurtful. They're so painful. They're so judgmental. And because many of us might fall into one of these categories that he's talking to. But even in many of our lifetimes, even today, there are those who claim that they speak for the church and speak for God when they say that God is bringing down judgment. And in case we think this is just a part of a certain set of believers here in the U.S., I found a story that NPR ran last spring in April, and it went like this. Cowering in the grass, a young Muslim begs for his life. He's shaking. His hands and face are bloody. His attackers beat him and threaten to douse him with fuel and set him on fire. They accuse him of intentionally trying to spread the coronavirus. The man, identified later by authority and neighbors as a a 22-year-old, was on his way home from a Muslim missionary conference in central India when he came under attack on April 5th in his village on the, the northwest edge of India's capital. He managed to escape and was treated at a local hospital. The assault, video of which had been shared widely in India on social media, was part of a wave of violence against Indian Muslims in weeks at the beginning of the pandemic. This is the intensity and the questions that these people are coming to Jesus with, and it's, it's still alive and well today. Jesus' response can easily sound like just a call of judgment on all of us, a call to repentance because we're all awful and unworthy. However, its placement in the middle of the verses that come after it suggests that maybe we read something different here. In fact, the author's placement says to to those who would point fingers on others that, that they would actually say, you don't get to do that. You do not get to push your beliefs on others and say they caused this or that. That's not how any of this works. Yes, there's a call to repentance because we all need repentance. None of us are better than others. No one is better than us, and we're not better than others. This is, again, the heart of Lent where we're reminded of our humanity. We're all in this together. This is how the word comes alive for us today. It's it's not just about a group of Galileans who met an unfortunate fate. It's the fact that All of us could be that fig tree in the vineyard, not producing fruit, taking up space and resources. We will all be that at some time. And we will be met with the grace of the gardener 
that says, let's just keep nourishing it. Let's, let's just, let's just give it one more year. We did not read the story of a crippled woman that, that Jesus heals, um, but it comes in the middle of these passages. The religious leaders, again, are more concerned with form, with the laws, um, more concerned with right and wrong, um, that the freeing and healing of Jesus is wrong. Jesus says, this woman has been bound up for 18 years, and you are so caught up in enforcing the rules that you don't recognize that if any time should be right for her to be set free, it would be on the Sabbath. Then Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a a tiny mustard seed, the smallest of the seeds, or, or one of the smallest of the seeds that's planted, but in the end, it yields a tree that holds all the birds. This is not a small kingdom. This is not a small belief where we focus just on right and wrong, who is in and who is out. God is doing something miraculous here. And Jesus is calling them to see it. See the wideness of God. See the breadth of God's love and care. Stop pointing the finger and living in fear of God. And this is part of what Jesus is lamenting in our final passage Sure, he is lamenting the death that will come. And and maybe even more importantly, the fact that he knows that the people of Jerusalem will turn on him. But he's also lamenting the fact that they have not listened to the prophets that have been sent all through the generations. God has sent prophets to the people of Jerusalem to get their attention, to show them the way, to show them a hope out of their small living, to to get them to care for the world rather than to judge and separate themselves. And they have not listened. They have instead silenced them, imprisoned them, and even killed them. Jesus gives us this beautiful motherly image of of God here, like a, a hen taking care of her chicks. Jesus says that he wants to be like that, to protect them, care for them, but they will not listen. They continue to be more concerned with who sinned enough or did something wrong in order to receive the wrath of God. And they continue to be more concerned with whether the action of healing is wrong to do on a certain day rather than the the incredible miracle of freeing someone to a new life. Here's the joy and the beauty of these scriptures. Jesus is not being crazy. (laughs) Jesus is not being wrath-filled or vengeful. Jesus is trying to be a prophet that says, you cannot separate yourself from suffering, but neither will I. Jesus says, I will not separate myself from your suffering. I will not separate myself from you. Theologian Frederick Buechner said, here is the world beautiful and terrible things will happen. We live in a world that often feels fueled with the idea of scarcity, not the abundance of a tiny mustard seed that God can use to be multiplied to provide shelter for everyone. We live in a world that can be critical and judging. Author and researcher Brene Brown says, all I know is that my life is better When I assume that people are doing the best they can with the resources they have, it keeps me out of judgment and and lets me focus on what is and not what should or could be. 
as we approach a one-year anniversary of life in a pandemic, when the world feels hard and difficult to understand, when the world is, in, is divided in a way that feels it is unable to ever be repaired, may you know the branches of a tree that come from a tiny mustard seed, just perfect to rest in. May you look for the signs of God around you. Listen to the voices of the prophets, whether they be actual people or or just sights all around you. And allow God to mother you like a hen does with her chicks. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Will you pray with me? God, help us to pay attention to the voices and sights and sounds and smells of the prophets that you send to us. Help us to have eyes to see you at work in our world, to see the wideness and the abundance of the God that we serve. God, for those of us who find ourselves in the middle of suffering, whatever that suffering looks like this morning, I pray that we would feel your protection and your care, that we would be able to listen to your voice, that we would feel safe with you this morning. God, we thank you for the ways that the scriptures continue to come alive and speak to us today. We thank you that you are a God that is active and present and will not separate from us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.